All right, welcome to Celtics Lab Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Tepetabai. I'm joined by Alex Goldberg. It's 11.44 on the East Coast, and the Celtics just wrapped a huge Game 3 victory. And we're going to talk about it. Uh, Alex, how are you? Alex, how are you? I'm great. Um, I'm still riding the adrenaline high of that win, which it really, you know, it's a pretty classic 2022 Celtics win. Full gamut of emotions. Uh, A nice, fun, quick start. Pretty close first half. An incredibly dangerous third quarter. And then a big fourth quarter to seal the deal. It's got everything you want and more from your 2022 Boston Celtics, who are now two wins away from being an NBA championship team. Unreal. Two wins away and two wins at the garden left to play. Uh, it's it's unbelievable. I don't think that <clears throat> let's not get ahead of ourselves. They're playing the Warriors. I mean, this could be the last oh, yeah. game they win for the season, but it feels impossible thinking about where we were at in December and January that we would be having this moment. Um, you know, Cam, I almost want to like go back and listen to like the episode that we recorded in like December 20th, just to like see what's going on there. It's really just, it's, it's one of the strangest, most invigorating Celtic seasons I can think of in my entire life. Really basketball seasons for any team. Just, this team has just made no sense all year, but through hell or high water, they found their identity and, now they're on the verge of something truly special. And like really what, what shines so bright, I think, is, is was on display in the fourth quarter. So for anyone who doesn't know, the Celtics just won the fourth quarter 23 to 11. The Warriors were just out of gas. They were tired. They were banged up. And the Celtics had a fourth, fifth, and sixth gear to get to. Um, There's that one Rob Lob from oh my God. Horford after the Warriors just like looked so ready to throw in the towel. And... I think the story of the Celtics team is mentally they weren't there. I mean, the physical tools are unbelievable. The depth, the balance. I mean, ah, now we're just riffing. The switching defense is so amazing to watch. Um, it works oh so well, and the personnel is so perfect for it. I, it, it, it. It's almost as good as the Warriors' offense was in the 17-18, uh, 16-17-18 run. I mean, it's just it's so freaking fantastic. Um, and I mean, as, as a defense nerd, like the, the reason I love watching basketball from a semi-informed perspective is because when you understand at least sort of how the defensive end of the game works, <laughs> basketball just becomes so much more exciting as a viewer. And to see a team execute at this level, I mean, the intelligence that there, there was a play like kind of middle of the fourth quarter when the game was still very much in the balance, like right before the Celtics made their run. Um, where they, uh, Steph Curry, it was Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. They were both on the floor. Um, both of them were just white hot and the Celtics managed to switch everything, like literally every action. And the Warriors were in a beautiful set. There were like five different cuts. They got Curry and Thompson, both in rotation, getting to places on the floor. They wanted to be Celtics were just there in front of them every time. And one stat that kind of jumps out to me you know, if we're going to talk about this defense, we have to talk about the captain of this defense, Marcus Smart. Mm-hmm. Golden State Warriors shot 0 of 9 when Marcus Smart was contesting the shot tonight. This is one of the best offensive teams we've oh, ever Oh, that's amazing. With the two best shooters literally of all time, as well as Jordan Poole, who's a pretty damn good shooter himself. Marcus Smart was everywhere tonight, and he had his questionable turnover. He had some bad decision-making. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, he gave you 20 points, five assists, and great defense. 24 points. 24 points. Yeah. 
he was, he, I mean, he was terrific. Just a really great bounce back game from Smart. And one that, frankly, I think is really encouraging for the rest of this series. Yeah, uh, I early in the fourth quarter, Smart, as a point guard, was running the show and it was sloppy. It was just chaos and just like kind of through sheer talent and luck, the Celtics didn't let things slip at the beginning of the fourth. Um, There's a stoppage in play. And then from there, Smart like really settled into playing point guard. And it was absolutely tremendous. Um, okay, speaking of playing point guard, let's add a little structure to our conversation. And first, <laughs> let's shout out uh, our friend, Dr. Justin Quinn. For folks who don't know, people who actually do this for a living, halfway through the third quarter, they've already started writing, if not earlier than that. So Dr. Quinn is writing a thousand things right now. So he's not getting his tweets up. And he can't join us for this podcast right now. So we love you, Justin. Okay. Anyways, a little bit of structure here. Um, I want to talk about the third quarter. I want to talk about more about the fourth. And then I have a few other things, but let's do what we've been doing recently. Pick a player and go. Um, Celtic, Absolutely. Celtic or dub. Um, so I think I am going to do, I'm going to cheat. I'm going to do one from each. Um, well, no, I'm going to do one and then I'll do one and then you'll do one. Fine, whatever. Okay, then for the Boston Celtics, I am going to start off with Robert Williams, who I think was the secret cool. hero of this game. Um, so Rob has Rob's health has been kind of the question that's been hanging over the Celtics all playoffs. When Robert Williams is healthy and has energy and has bounce, the Celtics are just a different team. That vertical threat really allows them offensively to freelance a lot more and then defensively he's his length and size and athleticism causes just chaos everywhere and Mm -hmm. that was in full effect in particular during the fourth quarter when robert williams came up with multiple critical deflections like huge blocks blocks just what he was just everywhere he was just getting in the way being a nuisance and i the golden state warriors really didn't seem like they had an answer for him at really any level, just like his, his, his impact on the game is so visible and palpable and the team, the Celtics as a whole play so much faster and a much more like frenetic engaged athletic style of play when he's on the floor. Al Horford tonight, he struggled. I mean, Al Horford has had kind of an up and down series. He was phenomenal in game one. He was not great. He was pretty good tonight. He was solid tonight, but he definitely had moments in this game where he looked like he was 36 and he was struggling a little bit with the Warriors' size and physicality. Robert Williams came in in the fourth and played an extended stretch of minutes in which he, his athleticism and speed and length just made such a gigantic difference for the Celtics' pace. Um, there were a few plays that stood out to me, one in which the Celtics very nearly did the classic thing that they do where Jason Tatum blows a layup and then the Golden State Warriors end up with a five on four fast break that leads to an open Steph Curry three. And if Al Harford or Grant Williams were playing center, or even if Derek White was out there, I have very little doubt that that's exactly what would have happened. But because Rob was just there roaming around, taking up space, being a nuisance, he took up the passing lane that they were looking for got a bizarre deflection that ended up in Marcus Smart's hand and then led to another uh, Celtics bucket. I just think, you know, when Rob is feeling healthy and I, I, I'm hoping to God that he is healthy for game four, it's going to be questionable the whole way. But when he's healthy and engaged and he has his bounce back, the Celtics are just a completely different animal on the defensive and offensive end. And I think that was really present tonight. 
Yeah, I mean, it's clear he can't play for long stretches. Um, and part of that is knee health, but also, I mean, he's always had issues with conditioning. So I think that's part of it too, because yeah. um, he played for like three minutes to start the the second half and then he was out. Um, but that he had that much gas in the tank in the fourth quarter was epic. Um, okay, I... I want to talk about Jalen. Uh, I two things worry me about Jalen Brown right now. When he gets a little too much momentum scoring the ball, then he really goes one on one. He really forces the issue at the rim. And he was hot in the first quarter. He scored seventeen in the first quarter. Obviously amazing. But there was in the back of my mind a little bit of worry of like, is Jalen going to force the issue down the stretch if he can't find these shots later? And truth to, to be told, a little bit that was the case. There were times where Jalen took someone one-on-one that he just couldn't couldn't cook and he should have passed and he didn't. But he, by and large, managed to avoid that. Um, the second concern I have with Jalen Brown was his one-on-one defense that we talked about on another podcast. And once or twice, he got cooked in a pretty embarrassing way, but by and large, he was a huge defensive problem for the Warriors. And when there aren't weak links, again, this defense is just an incredible sight to behold. It moves so quack, quick moves so quick, moves so quick. It reacts so quick. It punishes even the smallest little concerns. And you can see that the, the way that they preempt what the Warriors want to do, it's not just that they're reacting in the moment. It's clear that the film sessions are burning bright in their mind because wherever Steph wants to go off an off ball cut or however Clay wants to go baseline or whatever, the Celtics switch defender is already there. It's, it's incredible. Um, so that Jalen wasn't a sieve at any point with exception was important. Um, but it also segues to just gushing about the defense because the defense is phenomenal. I'm trying so hard to not just rip F bombs. No, I think it's true. But, you know, I think one thing that really stood out to me is that Jalen looked quite comfortable defending Steph Curry, particularly in the fourth quarter, which I think is a really important development, because if there's one flaw in Jalen's defensive game and has been the case all year, it's that he has a tendency to fall asleep off ball. Um, He has a tendency to ball watch a little bit, and sometimes he'll lose cutters or he'll lose spacers. And Steph Curry is the arguable best off ball player maybe ever. I mean, he's that yeah. good. And Clay Thompson is right up there with him. But to see Jalen stay alert and engaged with Steph and make sure that he wasn't getting that open space or that he was closing that space and making it so that Steph had to actually put the ball on the floor and create something for himself. I mean, it's it's little things like that. And Steph Curry is just such a good basketball player <laughs> that like giving him any inch, any advantage at all, even the, no matter how slight is a death sentence. So to see Jalen stay fully engaged on the defensive end for 48 minutes and make Steph have to actually work for those points is just a huge, huge, huge development for this series. And at the beginning of the series, when I was making predictions for possible finals MVP, Jalen Brown was at the top of my list. So far, he's done nothing in my mind to uh, move off of that track. He's been great. I mean, Keen Tatum are maybe one right there. Brown finished yeah. with 27 points, nine rebounds, five assists. <laughs> Jalen had 26 points, six rebounds, nine assists. Um, Jalen left a few on the rim, more than a few on the rim. Um, he didn't shoot the ball super effectively, but uh, I mean, Jason rather. Uh, Tatum left a few on the rim. Tatum didn't shoot the ball super effectively, but by and large, incredible game. Um, okay, I'm going to talk about my next player because you were talking sure. about that person and then you go. Um, I want to talk about Steph. 
the Splash Brothers had 25 points in that third quarter, a third quarter that the Celtics, I mean, the Warriors won 33 to 25. So it was a lopsided third quarter in the favor of Golden State, but not in a way that I think we feared. And that seven point flagrant foul swing. Oh. Uh, we talked about it in the DMs. It technically was an unsafe play. It could have been a big injury for Curry because of the way Horford was, but flagrant. Uh, I think they just need new nomenclature. Anyways, um, so Curry and Clay were electric in that third quarter. Even at the Celtics, it didn't give up all that much. Um, but I think the way that the Celtics attached, attacked Curry was was really meaningful. Obviously, he had the early fouls, and that's a big problem for him. And players play differently when they have early fouls. They, they're not as aggressive on defense. And that was so abundantly clear from Steph. On top of the fact that he's not the biggest guy, he's not the most physically gifted guy, clearly that ankle's still bothering him. Um, I thought that the Celtics could have done more even to hunt Curry, but they did a pretty good job of hunting Curry and Bielitsa, who cannot keep playing. Yeah. Um, so I thought that that was really interesting, um, that yes, Curry is a supernova. He scored, uh, how many threes did he end up with? This is his third straight game of at least five threes. He ended the night with six threes, um, 12 of 22 from the field. I mean, he had a great Steph Curry game. But the amount that he gives up on defense is really meaningful. Um, so I, I wanted to talk about that because as great as Curry is for the Warriors, first of all, if they don't have his offense, they're done. But second of all, his defense keeps the Celtics in games in an interesting way, and I wonder if that's going to continue to be a development. Okay, you pick another player, and then we'll do an ad break, and then we'll do other stuff. Sure. Um, uh, it's tough to decide. Do I want to go? Yeah. All right. I'm going to go with um, Clay Thompson, who yeah. Clay Thompson has had kind of a weird series. He really was not great in the first game. And in the second game, he, he definitely looked better, but he didn't look fully in rhythm. And it was kind of the Draymond Green, Steph Curry show. Um, tonight, Clay Thompson had it. He was looking mm -hmm. really, really good. And I was saying quite early in a, a group chat with some of my friends uh, from high school, I was saying quite early in that group chat. I'm not liking how warm Clay is getting, and he did nothing to change that. I mean, he was really, really strong uh, all night. And I think it was important for the Warriors tonight, for sure. It kept them in the game, and Clay Thompson had some key stretches where Curry was uh, off the floor because he did get in some foul trouble. Um, mm -hmm. And Clay made an impact in those minutes. And in general, this was easily his best game of the finals. But I think it's more important for the future of this series than it is for the right now. The fact that Clay Thompson has kind of been unlocked just presents another additional challenge for the Celtics defense. And it was one that they were able to respond to um, pretty substantially in the fourth quarter. But I imagine that heading into next game, one thing Celtics are going to have to be really keen and aware of is the fact that Clay appears to be, have found his footing in this series. And I imagine that if Steve Kerr is going to make an adjustment, it's going to be running more stuff for Clay Thompson and trying to get him going early and really compromise and stretch the Celtics defense to its limit by having two guys rolling at once. So Clay Thompson, both for this game and for future games, is the warrior that I want to watch. Fair enough. All right, let me pause the action. Let me talk about our sponsor, and then I have other things I want to talk about. Maybe you do too. Yeah. Right. I want to talk about our friends at Bet Online. 
the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. You can find the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's NBA Finals, hello, the NHL Hockey Conference Finals, Major League Baseball scores, all the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device today and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus so long as you use our promo code CLNS50 to get the bonus and get in the action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right. Um, How worried are you about Tatum's shoulder? Uh, You know, I have been worried about Jason Tatum's shoulder since he got the shoulder injury in the Miami Heat Eastern Conference Finals. So I'm not much more worried than I was then. You know, at the end of the day, he managed to get... 26 6 and 9 and on pretty efficient shooting and playing great defense i think it's at the point now where everybody is hurt marcus is hurt rod is hurt al is hurt steph is hurt clay is hurt like everybody has got things going on jason tatum's shoulder is one of those things um i think it's impacting his finishing around the rim for sure uh there's a couple of uh shots that he took tonight where he had momentum and driving to the basket and normally those would be pretty standard basic layups for Jason Tatum and he just kind of beefed them so I think that's something that they're going to have to watch but uh I'm I'm about as concerned as I was the previous couple of games which is mildly but not exceptionally yeah I'd be curious I mean it's clearly bothering him Mark Jackson early on in the broadcast was like oh the games that I had problems those were the best games and I I don't know if I'm buying that but I mean the, (laughs) the, the jump shot looked pretty good I'm curious about the finishing at the rim because uh, so this is this is maybe incorrect, but I feel like he got so he got hot taller and bigger this season. I like you can't convince me otherwise that he didn't grow half an inch or at least broaden his shoulders a certain amount. Um, and I almost feel like he's like sometimes surprised that he has that much airspace. Like the way that he mm. breaks down defenders and like where he is attempting to finish, they kind of look like circus shots, but except that he he's so physically composed that. I almost think that like he just needs to like learn how to make layups like that because they're so they're so preposterous. I tweeted as such: if he got a little taller, he could just dunk all of these and end the conversation entirely. Um, okay, yeah, uh, my level of concern medium, I guess. Uh, to your point, I was really concerned about Smart's like whole body injury, yep. and <laughs> seemed fine tonight. <laughs> Certainly, it didn't seem like it was a big deal. Okay, that's just the Marcus Smart experience, though. I mean, he's been. As far as I can tell, Marcus Smart has had an injury going at some point for the last seven years, and he's just kind of played through it. <laughs> uh, okay, what was your level of concern for turnovers from what we saw from the Celtics tonight? Pretty high. They had eight in the first half, um, mm-hmm. which, so I've been listening to a lot of uh, basketball podcasts, as I do. And um, one stat that I believe uh, Tim Bontemps, friend of the pod, cited in the latest Hoop Collective is that the Celtics are uh, some terrible. 0 and 5, I think. 0 and 5 when they turn the ball over 16 times or more. And they're like 8 and 2 or whatever when they turn it over less than that. I don't have the Mm -hmm. specific number. The point is this the Celtics are really good when they turn the ball over less than 16 times. And they are really bad when they turn the ball over 16 times or more. So, if you buy that logic, eight turnovers in the first half is pretty much exactly where you don't want to be if you're the Boston Celtics. Now, I'm just looking up. Well, I'll tell you that the Warriors had 16 turnovers and the Celtics had 12 uh, for the game. And there um, you go. And, they, and the Warriors, I don't have the stat off, offhand, had a number of points off of turnovers in the first half. I mean, that's part of what kept 
the game closer than it needed to be, which is a consistent theme for anyone who's playing the home game. Um, are, are you, do you attribute to the, the only four turnovers in the second half? Do you think the Celtics pulled that out or do you think that that's more about the Warriors? I think it's a little bit of both. The Warriors definitely looked fatigued by the end of the half um, there. They were pretty visibly worn down from the Celtics speed a little bit. Um, and I think in general, the Celtics simplified their offensive approach a little bit in the second half as well. Um, particularly when Robert Williams was out there, uh, they did a lot more just kind of straight line drive to the basket, kick out and shoot. Mm -hmm. Um, they weren't trying to run sets that were as complex. Um, and they were slowing the pace down a little bit in the open court. A lot of the turnovers Celtics had in the first half were just a result of like trying to, and this is what they've been doing all postseason is trying to hit home run plays in the open court and, yeah. Marcus Smart throws a pass that's, you know, three feet ahead of somebody or Jalen Brown fumbles the ball off his legs, something like that. Um, in general, I think the Celtics played with a much more deliberate and kind of simplified pace, which suited their offense well. But the main thing that they did uh, was they locked in on the defensive end, even after that absurd flurry for the, from the Warriors in the third quarter. They maintained their defensive principles, and I think that allowed them to play a more turnover-free style of basketball. Yeah, they, we, we talked about this the other day, that they sometimes they want to do kind of like a, they want to be the Showtime Lakers, which the Warriors can do. The Warriors, at least the Warriors of old, have the personnel to get out and sprint and swing the ball and yada, yada. And sometimes the Celtics swing the ball like the best of them, but that's not really their game. And I think you're right. I think Marcus Smart going back to last game a number of times where he made the right pass it was just like a little little too hot um yeah and so i think that they really want to do the razzle dazzle and that's just not their game going back to the defense their, their game is putting the opposing team in literal prison and then scoring 88 points to win the game i mean they scored more than that tonight but still um yeah all right if you're the warriors what's your level of concern for Draymond's Draymond green and his uh I didn't think he had a good game. I thought he was on nope. a, I think he, he was a off. Bad game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I would say my level of concern is moderate. I mean, it depends on who I am if I'm in the Golden State Warriors. Like Steve Kerr, I don't think Steve Kerr is ever going to be concerned about his guys. Um, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, Steph, he's riding with those guys no matter what. So um, I, it's not like we're going to see the last of Draymond Green. But I do think that um, Draymond had some real trouble, particularly when Rob was out on the floor. Um, it, and kind of late in that game, the small ball lineup, which uh, the Warriors really rolled through the Western Conference playoffs with, um, did, it did not s seem particularly effective. And I don't think that playing Draymond at the five against this Celtics team with the size that they have is necessarily a great option. I do think that um, Draymond's play and Kevon Looney's play are pretty closely linked. Yeah. And if Looney is able to stay on the court, uh, and kind of run with the Celtics and keep his conditioning up. That allows Draymond to do a lot more as a freelancer. But in general, I think there's definitely some concern, particularly with he, he didn't really engage much offensively. And defensively, it's pretty clear that uh, as a small ball five, if if they do that and Rob is anywhere close to healthy, then Ime Udoka can just respond with some overwhelming size, which makes it really difficult for him. Yeah, man, I just, I'm, I know it's not a 
a particularly deep rotation. I'm just like, so impressed by how well it all clicks. If you need Derek White to come in to hunt Curry because he's worried about fouls, you go with Derek White. Do you need a little bit of size because uh, they're using Wiggins to attack? Do you got Grant? Uh, if you have an opportunity to put some shooting on the floor, you got Pritchard. I mean, it's just, it works so well. Like the, the number of lineup formulas that the Celtics can put out there and seemingly put out there without much abandon is unbelievable. It's it's true, but but at the same time, it's a thing where that the lineup versatility that they have when they're ready to go and everybody is healthy is terrific. But yeah. if even one piece of that rotation is off, compromised, injured, uh-huh. foul trouble, whatever, it becomes seriously difficult for this team. So they need to have all eight of their really all nine of their top nine ready to go. Yeah. I mean, both the Warriors and the Celtics happen to be two teams that have pretty good injury luck, all things considered vis-a-vis the rest of the field. So let's hope that holds. Okay. Um, I want to talk about game four a little bit, but this was fun. Uh, what was your favorite part? What was the, what was your favorite play? My favorite I, play. I'll go, I mean, I'll go mine. To, to stall yeah, you do yours first. It was, I don't even remember the setup, uh, but the ball goes out of bounds. I think smart knocks the ball out of bounds and Horford picks it up by the Celtics own bench. And while all the warriors are complaining about it, he just throws a perfect touchdown pass to Jalen Brown who, who flushes at home play. Um, I just, first of all, it's fun because cross course pass, passes are fun, but, and it's, it's not, it wasn't chronic, but it was nice to be on the other side of the other team complaining to the refs and blowing an opportunity because of it. Oh yeah. In the same oh, way, God. in the same way that I like that the Celtics are hunting an undersized defensive liability point guard, for, which is a story that they've been on the other side of. Uh, that felt good. So that was my, I think that was my favorite play. The the play that would have been everyone's favorite play was the the lob that Jalen, Jason tried to throw to Jalen, but he missed it. Ah, that was so only, cool. I, I think <laughs> so cool. Came right there if we had done that, but couldn't quite complete it. Had to play it out. No, um, my favorite play. <laughs> a lot of really fun plays from this game, but I think the one that just stands out as so quintessentially Celtics is late shot clock possession is completely broken down. Celtics are totally scrambled on defense. Marcus Smart heaves up a prayer that just banks in, in a critical moment where Mm -hmm. every shot mattered. And ultimately the Celtics were able to weather the storm against a supernova hot Steph Curry. That's just such a quintessentially Marcus Smart play where everything goes wrong. And the person that you don't want taking the shot the most ends up with the ball and he just puts it in. Like that's, that's just amazing stuff. So that, that was my favorite play. Favorite celebrity sighting? Good one. Um, For me, it's got to be Nelly. And I think the reason is because, um, so Ride With Me is the first rap song that I ever like truly loved. And that that song is just so, so good. And I have a really like indelible set of memories built with that song. So it's Nelly for me. Oh, cool. Uh, I think mine's got to be Pierce. It was just like a menace. It was just like every, first of all, his Instagram story is like maybe a hundred posts long right now, which is so inappropriate for a man of his age. But second of all, just there's so many pictures of him just like, oh, actually, no, my favorite celebrity sighting, and I I haven't done my homework to corroborate this, is Mayor Wu was either at the stadium or at the game because I saw some Mm. posts and and Mayor Wu's Twitter account tweeted it out as well. Um, I'm sure Marty Walsh and Mayor Menino would have 
been there with the best of them, but I, th- I think Michelle Wu genuinely loves the Celtics. So yeah, no, she, she's a big fan. She has been for some time. All right. Michelle Wu, come on, uh, come on the podcast. Yeah, uh, all right. So without Justin, we only have nine minutes and 54 seconds because he has our premium zoom account. So we'll wrap in the next nine minutes and 50 seconds. What's one positive trend from game three that you want to see in game four? Um, the positive trend that I liked seeing in game three is that the Celtics dominated the offensive class, uh, mm-hmm. which was a welcome turn from previous two games and from the previous series where the Celtics have had some trouble with that. And a big part of that, obviously, Rob was great. But I, I also want to give a shout out to Grant Williams, who I had had easily his best game of the finals. Uh, and he did so not in the way that Grant Williams can sometimes do by like drilling corner threes. Uh, he he did that once, but he mostly did it by doing dirty work, just grinding for rebounds, getting in the paint, mixing it up with Draymond Green, being just a physical menace. Um, the Celtics own the boards in this one. And I think if they want to pull this series out, that's going to be something they're going to have to prioritize because that's that's easy points that they can uh, use, particularly when their offense gets bogged down. Yeah, they were plus nine on the offensive glass, and they took, for the game, 11 more shots. Uh, I think those are probably correlated. The, yep. thing that, the thing that I want to see is just the confidence. They are by far the more talented team, I'm ready to call it, with exception. I mean, obviously, Steph is the best player in the series, but they have more talent. They have more depth. But they get the yips. They play young. They are a young team. We've talked about this all season long. Mm-hmm. Tonight, with with exception, that didn't happen. They knew how to take control of the offense, which easier said than done for this Celtics team. They knew how to take control of the defense. And certainly when they're in Boston, I want to see more of that. Because yeah, I, I we've said this, Steve Volpetta said this, I'm sure they've said this, the only team that can beat them is themselves. And that begins and ends with a little bit of focus. Udoka calming down Smart, calming down Horford, calming down the rest of the guys. Um, but also the, the tenacity and the self-assurance to take control the right way, which sometimes we haven't seen them do, but I thought they did a good job in this and game. And to that end, I just, I know that we shouted him out before, but like this was Jason Tatum's most mature performance that I think I've ever seen from him. He never oh, got rattled. He, he never got rattled. I don't think he was forcing the issue. He was taking shots and getting into the flow of the offense. Like he wasn't out here. Like he got a little bit jump, uh, jumper happy at the end with some of the turnaround fadeaways, but those were in situations where the clock was running late and he had a matchup advantage. Um, and more importantly, Jason Tatum was actively looking to get other guys involved and stayed focused and locked in on the defensive end. And he didn't get baited into Draymond Green's antics or hunting for foul calls too much. He just he just went out there and played. And if Jason Tatum can do that every night, if he can be a guy who just uses his overwhelming talent and basketball IQ uh, to kind of carry the rock for this Celtics team, then they're going to be in good shape. All right. So I'll, let's close with this. And I don't, I don't know if I have an answer. So I don't know if you have an answer, but uh, let's shout out our friend, Justin. And let's say this, Justin is again, fastidiously writing so many different things right now. Good job, Justin. What's the, what's the headline from game three? If you had to write the headline, like Justin has to write a bunch of them right now. What's the headline? And the reason I asked that is because early on, I, I wanted to say, oh, this is the Jalen Brown game. I'm not ready to call it that. You can call it that. Um, yeah, give me a headline. If you need me to stall, I can, I can cook one up first. 
Um, I think I'm ready to go, which is that, uh, and it's not the best headline ever, but it's Celtics resilience continues. Um, every time that this team loses, it seems like they bounce back. Uh, when they're in trouble, it seems like they find an answer. And whether that answer comes from their vets, their bench, their young guys, somewhere in between, they just always seem to find something to keep them in the game. And in particular, they were resilient both because they bounced back from, frankly, a pretty brutal loss in game two, and because they weathered the storm in the third quarter when the Warriors gathered all of the momentum and it seemed like the inevitable run to take the game was in motion. The Celtics were poised. They stayed resolved. They got back to their defensive principles and they responded. And so I think for this game and for so many others, this team has just proven that it, you are going to have to go through hell to beat them. They are such a resilient bunch. So that's my headline. Yeah, the the series is going long. Sorry, Kai, it's not going to be a five game series. Nope. Um, <laughs> I'd probably write something like Celtics ride, uh, Celtics ride, uh, pugnacious defense to epic home game three home victory. Just because I like the word pugnacious. Um, it's a good word. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's it from us. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Thanks for liking and subscribing. We'll, uh, we maybe we'll have another podcast before Game Four, but Alex has a birthday on Friday, so who knows? Um, Saturday. <laughs> Alex has a birthday on Saturday, so who knows? It's birthday week, birthday <laughs> month for Alex. Yeah, exactly. All right, cool. Go Celtics. Amazing game. Go Seas, baby. Two more. Let's do this. <laughs>